G'day listeners, welcome to Bar Karate the Sailing Podcast. My name is Jordan Spencer and it's that time of the week where I get to talk sailing with some super cool people and my two idiot mates. So first up uh, joining the show of course is Mr Brett Perry. Greetings exalted one. BP. Commitment is the word of the day. (laughs) Are you being committed? Not only by us because we're up at this time of day, but oh, okay. of course today is July the 1st, July the 1st being the start of Dry, Jul- uh, dry July. Uh, oh, I know where you're now, going. <laughs> there is, there is a, a, a big shout out to our uh, mate, Jason Webb, who's put himself up, hands up, and he's going to take it on. Um, of course, I would like to wish him luck in that, and I think we're all going to do that. And now that he's gone live to air on uh, Bar Karate, the whole world is watching. So, <laughs> Webby, good luck. From my side, um, right, I looked closely at it yesterday. I looked closely at it yesterday yeah. for about one minute. Yeah, And realised there was a Friday, a Saturday and a Sunday involved yeah. four times, and that was a, my downfall. So <laughs> I'm still not grown up enough to take that on, but Webby... Good luck. <laughs> it's very nice to publicise you, mate, and throw him under the bus like that. Good work. Uh, he started it. Yeah. Uh, let's bring good. in the other bloke. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. Mr Nick Boss. I was just scrolling through my messages from yesterday between you two blokes. Mm-hmm. Like generally, we have pretty good banter on our, on our channels talking to each other. Friendly. And then when I said I'm going on dry July, holy <laughs> shit, I never saw so much banter coming back towards me. <laughs> a lot of hate. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't fit our mantra. I mean, how do we how we become budding uh, beer? What was it? Um, what did you say there, Jordan? Uh, you can't, I can't own believe a beer you have a beer brand and you go dry. What sort of marketing is that, you traitor? <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, I'm not doing dry, dry July. <laughs> <laughs> I was just celebrating for everyone else. <laughs> yeah, okay. okay. So good luck, Webby. <laughs> Boys, I came up with a name for the uh, Barcarati VX1 when we get one. Tell me. Yeah, good. I love this one. We're going to call it the Delta variant. Nice. Because <laughs> everyone can catch it. That's it. Bought <laughs> <laughs> <Water> very easily. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Easier to oh, catch. Let's not talk about that. Uh, Let's move forward. Move forward. Yeah. Well, um, I reckon we should do is uh, before we could uh, we have the option of picking on Bicey's um, big press announcement this week, but we'll leave it for the end of the show. Um, but because we've got a really super cool guest this week, I know we get cool guests every week, but this uh, this is one we've been saving for a while. Uh, you'll be in uh, you'll be entranced with this conversation. So for our guests this week, some of them, some of you will know him as the America's Cup commentator. Some of you will know him as the president of the North Sales Group. Some of you will face him on the course and, and he's taken away one of your wins because he always dominates. Most of us just know him as Kenny. Welcome to the show, Mr. Ken Reid. It's great to have you. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys and I have to reiterate uh, this dry July idea might be the dumbest idea in history. So I, I just want to get that out there right away. <laughs> Are you on board? And whoever this Kenny? guy Webby, whoever this guy Webby is, God bless you. you, you first of all, you're gonna fail. And uh, well, I gotta we say, I gotta say, he's got a mate called Jerry who usually rocks up at about the uh, finish line of every winter series race. Comes in a little silver, little silver flask. Sailor Jerry. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So he's he, he's not allowed to go sailing for four weeks. Yeah. He's gonna be pissed. Can be hard to go. Not sailing. a chance. Uh, Kenny, um, you've got an amazing resume. Like, um, do you ever think about if you hadn't found sailing, what life would have been for you? 
Ice hockey player. <laughs> yeah, well, that wiped out both of my hips. So I would have gone down doing that. Um, you know, I, I actually was in, uh, when I was in university, I was, uh, I, I studied pre-law. So I think if I hadn't been a sailmaker, I, I would have probably at least given a shot at law school. But, um, uh, you know, it was, I was one of the guys in my senior year of school that had a job because I, I had, it was kind of before the pros, you know, came out and, and to be a pro meant you went to work for a sailmaker, a boat builder, a mass maker. And, and I got drafted by a sailmaker right here in Newport and shore sales guy named Bill Shore, kind of a legend mm -hmm. around here. And, um, yeah, I had a job, I had a job and that job just turned into, it seemed like every day something cool happened. I, I feel blessed, frankly. In all seriousness, I've had one seriously blessed life so far. Wonderful. Well, yeah. well during that, we, we've um, said it quite often, but sail making as a, as a trade, that's kind of where, as you alluded to, the professional sailor started um, in the sense of going, doing an apprenticeship, or being part of a loft and then going sailing all the time. And that was kind of where, where it all started from. But you would have seen it from pretty much the early days of still being such a Corinthian-type sport all the way through to what you see now. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I, had to learn, I, I got out of school, went straight to the floor and learned how to cut lightning jibs and stick them together and get behind a sewing machine. And I still don't, I don't admit it very often. I still probably know how to sew a little bit. Um, <laughs> It was, um, it, you know, it was really all around, but, but the bottom line was they gave you a bunch of boats, you know, lightning snipes, J 24s, uh, J 22s, all these kind of, you know, cool little small keel boats at the time. And, and, uh, just go win, just shut up and win. That, that was really, it, it really was that simple. And if I could keep winning, then I still had a job and, and it, we'd start selling sales. So it, it really worked. Can we go one step uh, further back? Where did it all actually start in terms of, um, you know, you ended up in this, obviously in the sail loft, um, but obviously you would have started sailing uh, or been introduced to sailing before that. So where did it start for you? Yeah, right right across Narragansett Bay here, a place called Barrington, Rhode Island, and a mm. uh, little, little club there. And, uh, you know, we sail sunfish and started in blue jays, which I hated. They terrified <laughs> me. But then we sail sunfish. My parents had a 30-foot cruising boat, and we tow the sunfish around, the, the, you know, Martha's Vineyard, the Elizabethan Islands, Nantucket, Cape Cod. And, and um, like uh, Bicey said earlier, played hockey in the winter, and my dad was a hockey player. Uh, he went to Brown University. He was a hockey player there. And so we played hockey in the winter and sailed in the summer. So it was a pretty simple life. And mm. um, But you know, got used to winning. My mother, my mother was a real athlete and, uh, she, I think she was a five, a five, what were they called? Five letter. Uh, she's in the hall of fame in Connecticut college and, uh, for athletics. And, and oh. she, she had this insane drive. Like she, she'd take us out and we'd throw basketballs at the hoop. And if she didn't kick our ass, she's like, she's like smashing us, you know, like she, <laughs> she had this insane drive that, that, Clearly, my little brother Brad and I, uh, it, it wore off on us. There's no question about it. That's pretty cool. Good one. You made the, um, your mum made uh, the Collegiate Hall of Fame. You, you make the Collegiate Hall of Fame at Boston University, mate. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was, and it was always unexpected. You know, I think, I think it's, I think it's easier to, 
to try to take the next, I tell kids all the time, it's easier to find the next rung of the ladder if, if it's not just ingrained in your head like you have to get there. If you get there through your own drive and your own intuition, your own skill, you don't have that, that pressure. So I, I went to school hoping to make the team, you know, and then won the freshman New England's that first year. And before you know it, I'm sailing all the varsity events sophomore year and sophomore, junior, senior, all of a sudden you're an all American. Then one year they give you a college sale of the year and it just started snowballing. It's like, <laughs> shit, I don't want this to stop. Just let, let's keep going. So an offer of a, an offer of a job in the business. And I, and again, I tell kids all the time, it, it, you, there's lots of stuff to do in sailing, you know, and the, the amount of young, smart engineers we're hiring right now at North mm -hmm. is unbelievable. And these kids are moth sailors and, you know, they're off doing their own fun stuff, ripping around, but man, are they smart. So mm -hmm. I think the Marine industry really, you don't have to be a pro sailor. You, there's a lot of cool opportunity out there. And, and that's, that's what I did. I took advantage of it. Mm. And what, um, Obviously, as Jordan alluded to, mentioned president of North Sales. How did that pathway happen from shores to north? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so a guy named Dan Neri and I, who yeah. we've been working together now since 1980, getting old, 1985. I think we bought shore sales from Bill and Doug Shore. We've been working together in one form or fashion every day since. And, and, uh, uh, we ended up kind of making shore sales to a certain level. And then we started licensing, remember Sobstad sales. Yep, Sob, yep. So Sobstad for three, three or four years, that license going to run out. We were getting pretty good, um, getting pretty big, at least in the Northeast and starting to do more traveling and starting to kind of break into some of the big North boats and 3DL just came out. Yep. And I'll tell you what, like most sailors, when 3DL came out, and we're making paneled sales or trying to do they uh Sopstad had something called genesis remember genesis yeah, we do. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh and, and we couldn't get genesis our my whole goal let's just be number two you remember the uh they'll rent a cars avis want you know we're number two you know the, the, we just want to be number two we'll take the crumbs we're fine with that but we just couldn't quite get it to work and right around then, Tom Wynn came knocking on our door and uh, said, we're getting sick of you guys and we need to get younger and we need to get some younger people on our internal board of management. And um, they bought us. And it was it was a relief because, quite frankly, I, I thought 3DL was going to be the death of me. You know, I, I needed mm. to be on that side. If I wanted to keep sailing hard, I needed to be on the side of 3DL. So. Tom probably if he if he hears this he's gonna you overpaid because I would have come for free. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a great yeah. response. <laughs> and what um what what year, what timing are we talking about here as far as uh, so that's just before the cup with Dennis. So I, I did the cup in '95, um, and that was I was still with Sobstad and. We put a couple sales on Pack 95. Yeah, we ended up losing to um, Stars and Stripes, that weird, big, convoluted um, the women's team, the, the Stars and Stripes team, and our team, and shifting boats. And I, 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 I still <laughs> to this day don't know what happened, frankly. And then, um, uh, then we got bought, and we got bought literally months before Dennis called and asked me if I wanted to go steer kind of a one boat crazy effort in Auckland, and mm -hmm. uh, which I said yes to immediately, of course. And mm -hmm. even though we thought it was going to be really hard, 
turned out to be probably the best cup program I was ever involved with. Just a bunch of gunslingers, you know, that, that, Mm -hmm. that we had nothing to lose and everything to gain and barely enough money to scrape together breakfast. And all of a sudden our boats started getting fast and we started building a little momentum and shit, we were, we were a race away from getting into the challenger finals. So Mm, it was, uh, that was a really cool campaign, but I was part of North then. And then, and Tom came down and he was, he came down and he was kind of our adult supervision for a while as as strategist (laughs) on the boat. And, and so so I got to know him and I got to know, north and i certainly got to know the product better it was kind of a a real good um kind of a masters in in sail making and team management and certainly sailing with dc or sailing on his program it was certainly <laughs> so if you guys have a long time someday I'll, uh, some of the stories are just just go as long as you want mate we'll, as long as you want because no, we can do part two part three part ten whatever it takes <laughs> it's just but see, the problem is, I'm not the I'm not the only one. There, anybody who's ever been on a Dennis Connor team knows it's it's a different world, man. It, it is a different experience. He's a different character. Uh, his intelligence on one side is just beyond phenomenal. His his kind of forward thinkingness, but then the craziness that surrounds it. You know, in, instead of. So in our second campaign, here's a, just a quick one. Instead of fairing and putting the new keel on our boat, the entire shore team for over a week built a chicken coop in our in our uh, in our compound because he wanted fresh eggs in the morning. So we actually sailed. So we sailed the last um, the, the last round. We got eliminated by Spithill, um, and we didn't have our new keel on board the boat because they had spent time well fairing his etchels and building a chicken coop so he could have fresh eggs in the morning. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The, the hydrodynamic of an egg is not that good. <laughs> that's, <laughs> just got, that's also, just, that's, that's the cleanest story I can tell. I've just got, I've just got visions. I've just got visions of, of this keel with chicken wire and nails and wood hanging off. <laughs> Oops, we we put the chicken coop on the keel and the keel is in the. <laughs> it's not far from it, fellas. I, I'm telling you. So anyway, it was a it was never a dull moment. Um, great experience. The first one was phenomenal. The second one was certainly disappointing and and had its had its weirdness to it in its own right, but. Cup experiences are cup experiences. They all, they're all, uh, they're all different, and you know, they're they're all unique, and they all teach you a lot about not just sailing but life. So that that first cup, that uh, the second cup we're talking about with well, the first one with Dennis was where you made the semis was the two thousand cup. Uh, the the second one was the two thousand and three cup, where of course um, you're on the stars and stripes there, and I, I believe the rudder fell out of the boat or something, and you sunk from. Yeah, we sunk it. So that was that was That's Terry's 77. quote um, it, when he when he had to go in front of the press this year after they flipped over the American Magic. Mm-hmm. I think it was the only press conference I went to because I kind of thought he needed a friendly face in the audience, you know. And 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 um, and sure enough, the first thing out of his mouth was, um, "This is not. I'm not the only person in here who's sunk an America's Cup boat." And he pointed at me. <laughs> and goes, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> did it first and he was there with me that day so uh so yeah it, it was a bad day um but of course dennis he uh <clears throat> he cooked barbecue for us that night and celebrated because he took it as an opportunity to raise money like hey mm, the whole sure. world's gonna feel sorry for us now so he um he spun this thing around um like only he could do yes yeah, yeah i again. love that attitude that's a brilliant. that's brilliant 
true yep. leadership quality, right? Let's uh, let's not let's not sob. Let's get get cracking. Yep. So. Um, I guess we have to talk about J24s for you, Ken. Like that has to come. And before all this happens, you've got to prove yourself on the, the world stage. And for you, it was the world championships in the J24s. And you, you went and won back-to-back and then you had a bit of a, a little break and then you thought, you know what, I'll go back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. Um, <laughs> were the J24s the thing that pushed you forward, that, that ability in the Js, do you reckon? Yeah, we, we were lucky. I mean, everybody has their oh. hometown um, – kind of their hometown one designs that help push like you guys are talking about vx or something like that you know everybody's you know the mcconaughey uh, 38s in in uh sydney harbor and everybody's got their cluster of good boats but we just happen to live in j24 central here you know and, and they were all getting built up the bay they were building two or three a day for a while and and um it, it, there are rows down the road of Route 114, rows of brand new J24s waiting to get shipped out, and wow. they're everywhere. So, and we'd have, you know, 20 to 30 boats on a Thursday night beer can series here, and we just got yeah. good. You know, you had mm. guys like Ed Adams and Scott Ferguson, and you know, we had. I think we've had six World Championships go through here. Uh, you know, skippers come and crews come out of this place. Um, six different World Champion teams, and so. That was just it. And, and at the time, you know, it was kind of a, you'd sail a star. If you were a keelboat sailor like I was, it was a starboat, a Soling, or a J24. And the J24, in a way, was kind of the precursor to the Olympics. And I struggled figuring out how to get to the Olympics because I had a business to run the whole time, you know. And and Dan and I would talk about it a ton. I, I just, I didn't see it. I could We couldn't sell enough starboat sales or sell, sell enough Soling sales to make it worthwhile. And I had to be, you know, I had to be... Um, serious about the job you know i we were a small company just trying to you know just trying to make it and if i won a world championship it was literally like writing a, a you know a two hundred fifty thousand dollar check that's and for us and that those days that that was the difference between having a great year and barely breaking through so mm-hmm. i had to win the world so that was a business that was mandatory and 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 so it's really kind of kept me from ever trying for the Olympics and the Soling really probably was going to be the likely boat and uh, kept me in the J24. But I'll tell you what, you went around the world back then and that's where there were some really good sailors sailing in the J24 class. So it, it got your act together pretty quick. Part of the business plan, winning the world champs. <laughs> got to. If you came in second, you pretty much crossed it off, but you know, just, just take 250 off the end of the year because you know, in one design, everything's about winning. And that's Mm. what sells, you know, you can have a fancy clue patch or some great, it doesn't matter if it, if you, your sales win, you sell them. If they don't win, you don't sell them. It's a pretty, pretty simple strategy. Did did you ever see one go to the bottom? Like, did you ever do the old nose dive? Yeah. Yeah. I never did. um, But I picked a crew out of the water in San Francisco practicing before the North Americans. They flipped it over. The hatch would, the hatch would pop open. The hatch popped open and it just went down like a, like, like a shot. (laughs) And we picked five people out of the water and brought them in and we went and had a beer. It wow. was not dry July. But it was, <laughs> I think it was July, but it was not dry July. I can tell you yeah. that. There must be quite a few of those things sitting on the bottom. The rumor is there's one right under the Sydney Harbour Bridge, which is that's that's got to be pretty amazing to put it there. Like it doesn't get that choppy. Go di- diving. Yeah. Somebody's got to dive on it. Yeah. <laughs> it was easy to happen, and then they made rules. They, we had to put bulkheads in the back of the boats to stop it. But for a while there, it happened. You heard it happening quite often, actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, crazy. But then, of course, that never killed their business. They went on and, you know, they continued to make lots and lots and lots of boats. So it must be, you know, living... How many J24s you reckon have been made, been built? Well, um, listen, God bless Bob Johnstone. He's in the Sailing Hall of Fame over here. Rod Johnstone was the designer. Bob was kind of the marketer. And then all the kids have taken the company over. Great. Done a, you know, obviously the J70 is a phenomenal mm. success, and now they're getting back into some of the bigger boats and doing a great job. But um, don't ever let Bob stand in the way of a good story. So Bob, every once in a while, like I remember, he wanted to show up to the Worlds in um, Annapolis with hull number five thousand. We just kind of happened to skip like six, seven hundred boats to get to five thousand, <laughs> and then they went from five thousand out from there, and then. Um, uh, a great Bob Johnstone story that I told at his Hall of Fame induction was um, I learned something very valuable that no boat is fast enough. So he would, I'd go out with him when the J44s came out, I'd go out as the sailmaker. We had sails on the boat and, and all of a sudden we're going like nine, three upwind. And he just had the dial of the speedo downstairs and whoever the person would look at this, we're going nine, three upwind. This is fantastic. <laughs> the boat goes like six, seven or something. And he would just dial that thing around for whatever it took to get the person all fired up and off we go. And, and wow. uh, phenomenal guy, great salesman, great, obviously uh, kind of a boat, uh, a sailing legend, um, and, and just producing boats and his, and his kids and his nephews are, are doing just as good a job right after him. It's very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Oldest, oldest trick in the book, that yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. BP will be doing that soon. Um, BP will do it on the X2. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get onto that shortly. I reckon we just, we need to touch on where, uh, we've overlapped with you a bit, which is the ocean race. So you jumped into the Volvo, um, bit of a gunslinger as you described for your first event um on the ericsson so that was what three editions 2005 2008 2011 yep um mm. just did you do you like going offshore at first i was certainly well the the 2008 was when bicey was out there with with the kids and um with the kids i love it you know I followed, I followed it closely my whole life. It's kind of like here with the America's cup here in town, you, you lived it, you know, and, and, you know, we, we always had the, uh, the transatlantic race, the solo transatlantic race always finished here. My dad and I would go down and check out the boats. So, you know, we were, we were addicted to it. I was addicted to it without knowing I was addicted to it. And then that, you know, Bicey, the, uh, obviously, first two legs I did was the beat in 40 knots up to New York. Up to New um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, then of course the tragedy, uh, going across the Atlantic and I, I can't even fathom what you guys went through, but for me, that affected me for the rest of my life. My, my sailing life changed on that leg. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, I took it, I took a different view, I think, to sailing in general after that leg. Became but real. It, became real. <laughs> well, you know, I just never wanted to be that person to have to make that phone call. Absolutely. Honestly, it, and and man, oh man, sometimes the shit hits the fan, and you're in the thick of it, and you're not even thinking about it. But I, I think somewhere in the back of your mind, you're always you're counting heads. You know, you're you're, you're just making sure we're not going to be that. It, I, again, it sounds selfish, I think, but I, I just didn't want to call the husband or the wife or the kid or the father or the mother or whatever. And I, I can't even fathom that. So, but the, 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 uh, the flip side of that is 
the development that goes on, especially with those seventies and all these mm. boats that are going on right now, you know, Charlie's about to put a new 11th hour racing out. I've seen some designs from some of the rival companies for these Amokas, uh, these hundred foot tries, the minis, you know, the, the development that goes on in offshore sailing and how much fun we had doing that with the Volvo seventies. I, I, I think I almost enjoyed the development part of it as much or, or even more sometimes than the racing because the racing was hard. The development was just like using your brain and getting a great group of people around to, to dream shit up and try to make it happen. And, and, and that was, we had, a, and plus we had a great sponsor, you know, that without, with, when you have the funds to kind of try to do it pretty right, mm. then you don't have an excuse. And that was my whole thing. I wanted to look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, you screwed it up or you did good. And, and I, I didn't want any excuses. And, and um, you know, Puma was something I tripped over and, you know, God bless him. It changed, changed my life. Mm. I think you're right, though, Kenny. The, the development, the, the, the building of the team, all that work <laughs> – before the race, that's 95% of it. But also, whilst the race itself is a good fun, a whole lot of responsibility, but the the uh, development side, getting that team up and running and working as a team is where the satisfaction comes from, I believe, as well. Oh, and the highs and lows, you know. I mean, Christ, we had a near mutiny in Singapore and then, you know, we had a love fest. You know, you're doing well and you always can tell the teams that are doing great because they never change any crew around teams that yeah. are doing lousy, you know, just are rotating through left and right. And, and it's pretty, <laughs> pretty standard. And, um, that first time around, we ended up second overall, but you know, we had some tough moments because frankly, I didn't know what I didn't know at that stage. I, I, you know, I, I've, I've made it quite public that the morning, um, we were leaving the dock in Alicante for the first leg, about to go sail around the world. I, I said, excuse me for a second, walked up the dock, went back and threw up. I was so, I was so nervous. I was oh, sick hey. to my stomach. It was like, what the bleep have you gotten yourself into? Because <laughs> so far, nobody has any idea. I don't know what I'm doing yet, you know, and, uh, and we were second on that leg and it kind of just got the wheels in motion. That's all you got to do. You got to, you got to jump on the horse and just see what happens. And, and, um, yeah, that whole thing changed my life. I think I think it helped running a business too, because a, a Volvo program, a cup program, they're small businesses. You know, these are the or sometimes reasonable sized businesses, and you got to learn how to what buttons to push, when to be tough, when to when to give a hug, all those good things. Um, how to how to be fiscally responsible, how to answer to to authority. Um, it, you know, it, it taught you all the right things. So I. I it's not just offshore sailing, but it's more of a life experience, I think. How the the responsibility of being skipper and in charge of everyone? We we spoke to Tony Mutter a while ago, and he said as one of the best leaders that he'd been involved with was working on your campaigns. But just that extra responsibility of being skipper and keeping that extra eye out, much pressure or just something natural? Oh no, there's, there's, well, you hope it's natural, but there's certainly pressure. I, I, I almost think Bicey that, that especially in America's cups, um, the day of being the skipper and the head of the company is over. It, these companies mm. are way too yeah. big and way mm-hmm. too varied. Um, I think Ben Ainsley is the perfect example. He's figuring this out, you know, and you're going to see that program almost get turned over to the formula one side of, of the Mercedes team. 
And, uh, and he, he's got to make a choice. Do you run the team or do you run the, or do you go sailing every day? I don't think you can do both. I, the Volvo teams are probably just big enough to be able to, to do both or just small enough, I should say. Uh, but without a guy like Kimo Worthington, you can't do it. You know, we, we yeah. all, you know, we all have our partners in crime, you know, so without, a without a sponsor like Puma, who was, um, our friends, they were our friends. The CEO would travel around the world with us and, and, uh, uh the chief marketing offer, Antonio Bertone, I was talking to him on the phone just like three days ago. Um, they became our friends and, uh, Kimo did all the hard work. You know, he, he, he's the guy herding the cats while you're trying to, you know, while you're out trying to break it, he's trying to already figure out how to fix it. Mm. And, you know, and, and with, so without somebody like that on the sidelines that you trust with everything you got, you, you can't do it. You just couldn't do it. So anyway, it, it's, it's hard, it's complex, but, um, again, it teaches you, you sure learn from your mistakes quick. And, and I think as a leader, you got to be ready to put your hand up and say, Hey, um, boys and girls, that was my fault. It, it, you, see, you see too many leaders. If anybody, again, talking to kids around here, talking to kids programs, I think the big, most valuable thing as a leader you can ever learn is put your hand up and, and say, Hey, yeah, I sure. just screwed that up. Cause if you're constantly pointing in all other directions, it's no way to lead and you're not going to gain the respect of the group. So when you, when you screw something up, put up the hand and uh, move on and, and, and expect the, the same out of you as you expect out of everybody else. And I think at the end of the day, you're going to be all right. And you've, you've, um, you mentioned chemo there. You've had some loyal soldiers along the way, Dan in North, well, as part of the sail making career and chemo in the essentially building and putting these teams together. That's yeah. obviously an important part of it, as you mentioned. Yeah, you just got to figure out something they did bad in their lives and bribe them, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and make sure and make sure they stick around. Uh, it, it's really it's it's not too hard. It's not it's pretty simple what, to to figure out what they've done bad or yeah 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 well, yeah that's for sure that's that's easy. And then you just got to hold it over their head for the rest of their lives so they stick around. Um, there, the amount of people is countless. Um, you know, starting like with my my family and my brother Brad for sure who's done a phenomenal job in, in the sport in his own right. And, uh, um, yeah, chemo kind of came along when I found the sponsor first and then I had to show the sponsor. I knew what I was doing. And actually Jerry Kirby said, here's chemo Worthington's number. You should give him a call. And he had just, he had just done the finance for an America's cup program and for the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Disney program and the, mm-hmm. and the race that you did. Yeah. And so I, I'm like, I, I need a budget. I, I don't know where to start. I need a budget. And he, within two, it, t- it took within two seconds, he jumped in and, and without that, it, it never would have happened. Not a chance. So yeah, chemo, chemo was good. He's been a good loyal friend and, uh, and, and business partner for a long time. It's interesting. Ken. I've got a bit of a theory about that from, something I've been watching quite a lot, particularly see it in the sailing world, but uh, it, it happens in all organisations. I find that the successful ones, often there's a partnership or there's, um, you know, you need that sort of sounding board. You, you can see it work really clearly in the sailing organisations where you've got one person with another. They always, you always, you see it so often and it's the, whether it's complementary skills, whether it's a sounding board or something, but where you've got two people working together over one person just dominating, I, I, I see much more successful organisations. I, I, I've noticed that a lot. 
well, f- fill up the room, make another philosophy, I guess. I sound like an old man. The, another philosophy is make sure you're the dumbest person in the room yeah. and, and, but have the confidence that you, you need to be in the room and, um, make sure you fill the room full of talent that, and then listen to them because mm-hmm. too many people, no matter what they do in their lives, whether it's on a sports team or anything else, try to do it all themselves. And, and I'll tell you right now, it ain't going to work. And, and so, uh, just, yeah, you hire people, you hire and pay good people for a reason. So you may as well use them and, and give them responsibility and let them prove themselves. Yep. We've, we've mastered the dumbest person in the room piece. So we're good. <laughs> we, we permanently compete I'll, for I'll it. I'll work with two of them. <laughs> we actually have two of them. <laughs> uh, I was going to go the other way and use you, boss, but I thought I'd let you have the win on that one. Um, of course, that... Um, I'm sort of trying to speed through your resume a little bit so we can get into all sorts of, of the things that have, uh, are happening around the world that you know so much about. But, of course, that ocean racing program led to the Comanche, which is one of the great boats that's hit the water in the last sort of even five, six years, you know. Um, the Comanche thing must have been just amazing, mate. Um, it was more than amazing. So then the story with Jim uh, goes goes back actually it started it started while we were working on the puma program and he had the j-boat henneman and his project leader walked in and said we're losing him this guy he's not having fun he doesn't know what he wants to do with the boat can you guys go sail this local regatta we're training puma on puma here in town and all right yeah sure let's go and um we all immediately hit it off and we won this local regatta called the candy store cup and uh it's in in super yachts and and it just took off from there. And, and he, you know, uh, he, he had, <laughs> he had some friends, Christie's of course is from Australia. And so they would go down to Australia every Christmas and, uh, you know, he, he started hitting it off with some of his buddies and some of his buddies happened to own hundred footers and, uh, and they were kind of egging him on like, Hey, you know, come join the party, man. Let's go. Let's, and you don't egg on a billionaire. First of all, that is, that is like a part to not dare a billionaire to do anything. And before you know it, I was trying to talk him out of it because I, I had been working with George David over the years and he was building a new boat. And we're doing the Volvo thing. And, and I, I'm like, Jim, this is, this is serious. You know, th- we're not messing around here now. This is, this is big gear and big big numbers and everything else and he's like do it go and didn't <laughs> well <laughs> and and he treated it like his sports team you know I, i've said it a million times he, he sailed on it when we were day sailing uh christy sailed on it fair chunk of the time she loved the offshore she loved the offshore component of it um especially sydney hobart stuff she loved that you know certainly loved that and um and we're cranking it back up again. Uh, he wants to start sailing Hanneman here again in a, in, uh, in a month's time in the Candy Store Cup. Mm. So it all comes full circle. We're going to be back there. But Comanche, um, you know, Juan K., who I've been working with forever, he was doing the George David program, the Rambler program. So I, I actually called him and told him, listen, I, I, the last thing I want to do is piss off George David. I, I'm not trying to compete here. I, this guy wants to build a boat. And... Uh, Bruno Dubois introduced me to VPLP and Guillaume Verdier and rest was history. They, they, we, we hit it off in about the first 20 seconds in a, in a meeting in London and uh, just kept going from there. And it was fun. Like, you know, Tony and 
um, we had this cast of characters that we had just gone around the world with and, and we were just dreaming shit up and, and they'd say, yeah, we can do that. And, and it's like, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, no problem. We can do that. And next thing you know, we have this wild looking thing with a wild looking paint job and breaking records. I think the boat still has five or six records mm -hmm. and, uh, they're not going away for a while. And, and the other thing that it's manual, you know, it was a manual boat. And so, you know, I talked to Fernando about, the swan 125 that he's put together but it's a powered boat you know that, yep. that thing could go break a bunch of records but they're, they're it's a different category it's not the manual mm. records that that we wanted to break so anyway it, it, it was a uh, it, it it pushed the envelope right and that's what jim wanted to do he doesn't do when he does things he doesn't do them small um let's let's make it big and push the envelope and there's no question that boat did that. No question. It was a weapon. Just, um, Ken, just quickly touch on that meeting. I know we've spoken about it, but when you first met with Guillaume Verdier, <laughs> it's a yeah, pretty so, easy decision, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He, so that he, um, Vincent and, uh, from VPLP and Guillaume kind of had his own shop. And that's when the two teams were still really, to, they were very much together. Um, to be frank, I, I really like both both of them, and they've had a little split, but I think they were great when they were together. They yeah. they, they really complemented each mm. other, and we were just sitting there in kind of this dark room, um, just shooting the shit for hours. Casual, you know, it's supposed to be like a hour meeting, and I think three or four hours into it, you know, we we're starting to talk about details, you know, and it just never felt like there had to be contracts or or. It, everybody was doing it for fun almost, you know, it, mm. you know, it was really, it was such a pleasure. It was such a, it was such a, uh, it was really novel. It, it was really, and, and they loved having, they loved having the Volvo. They, they kind of out, they outside of French influence. And we loved having the French influence, you know, because mm. they're still wildly different worlds. There's, mm, and I yeah. say that with all due respect to both sides, they're, they are wildly different worlds. So, um, yeah, the, we just shook hands. That was it. Done. We're done. I think it, I think it shows in the, uh, in the outcome, you know, the, yeah. the boat is, uh, is, a, is a myriad of uh, people's input and uh, it's produced one of the best boats ever. Oh, I mean, you know, anyone that we've spoken to that sailed on the boat, mm. without a doubt, hands down, the best boat they've been on. Yeah, just that. So the first, obviously the first Sydney Hobart, um, that it was disappointing because of that big transition that the skinny little guy just took off in and we could never find him again. Mm. But um, I'll never forget going out the Harbor yeah. <laughs> at like 27 knots and yeah. it would took like two minutes and nine seconds or something to get down the <laughs> Harbor to the end. And, and then, and then watching the TV afterwards yeah. and, uh, and the guys on wild oats going, look at that thing, go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Every moment on that boat was a great moment. I, I gotta say, and a great team. And that's what also made it. It was so much of the same Volvo team. We had just gone around the world with, and, uh, again, another good Australian, um, you can't, you can't mention any of this stuff being successful without Casey Smith. And yeah, sure. uh, I was going to bring him up actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now Casey's, well, he's back down there. He showed, he sent me a photo. He's, he's back under the sewing machine at his brother's loft. He's up, he's up in your world, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. He's yeah, doing yeah. lots of things. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, and, Case, um, and I, Case and I have got a fair bit of uh, history together when he was back in uh, Wild Thing back in the day and I was on a boat oh, called God. Secret Men's Business and, uh, yeah, that's long stories we could go into forever. He still, he t- he <laughs> still tells Wild Thing stories all the time. Oh, yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> well, if the <laughs> shit hit the fan on our boat, he'd say, guys, I've seen way worse. No, no. And, he'd, <laughs> and he would <he'd> start it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's pre-98 days back then, but anyway. Yeah. So um, this is kind of a little crossover then between Bermuda – I believe it was America's Cup, and when Comanche actually got the transatlantic record, which you missed out on because you were in Bermuda yeah. commentating, right? Well, was that, that was uh, yeah. no, it was one of the pre-events. It was the event in France, and so you know the, this little sideshow of being an announcer. Um, it started through actually through the Puma um, through the the Puma contacts because Antonio Bertone, who was with Puma, uh, started to work for Coots and doing marketing ah, for the San yep. Francisco. Uh, San Francisco America's Cup, and they were struggling. To f- they were kind of going through a ton of different people, and 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 I think Antonio, he, his quote is, "I told Coots, Kenny Reed can talk about anything." So <laughs> he talked me into like twenty-eight million dollars twice. So if he can do that, then then uh, you should have him talk about the America's Cup. So I went and tried out, and Todd Harris and I started talking America's Cups, and before you know it. I had a little side career um, doing doing this this voice stuff, and and but with that comes commitment, and commitment yeah. was um, I had to sign up for all the pre events coming up on to Bermuda, and uh, and all of a sudden Stan Honey called up a week before, and you know we're on code green, red, whatever it was, and and uh, he's like, uh, you're not going to believe this, but there's a really good window coming up, and right. I think this might do it, and. And so uh, he and Jim and I got in, got on the phone, and I said, "You guys, you got it." Um, Jim said, "No, no, no, the boat doesn't go." You know, now now I'm old enough to be. Uh, I'm the Tom Whitten. I'm the adult supervision, right? So, um, no boat doesn't go without him. And I said, "Jim, boat's got to go." You know, as much as this kills me, we can wait around. There, there may not be another chance this year. And um, <clears throat> so the boys uh, pushed off and and broke the record, and you know. I don't think that one's going to be around for a while. There's no yeah, question. Yeah, that, sure. You know, once you get in the front, you get on the front of a system, the next boat's going to have to figure out how to skip a system. You know, that was a good, fast moving system. If, as long as you stay on the front of it, mm. that's, as, that's about as fast as you can go. And, and these boats, these monohulls now are fast enough to do that and not get overrun by the, by the mm. system. And, um, uh, yeah, boys sail well. And I followed every inch and, second guessed every single thing they did all the way across the <laughs> pond, right straight to the record. Wouldn't have done it that way. No, you guys. God, straight into the record books. <laughs> well, the interesting thing, of course, is that, you know, you used Guillaume and VPLP for the designer Comanche. Then um, when uh, Guillaume was commissioned to come up with the fastest ocean racing boat, he came back with a 63-footer with the foils attached. So how do you feel about that whole thing when you look at, you know, effectively the Amoka world? Uh, how do you look at those? Do you reckon that those smaller boats with the foils could do it? It's all about weight now, right? So, mm. <clears throat> excuse me, it's um, – there, there's a lot of boats being talked about right now in between the 70 and 100-foot range. Mm. Um, and And, and – it's just about weight. If you could, if you could do a hundred footer for the water line when you need it, um, and then for the ability to pop out of the water when you can get it, you'd probably do it. But I think, I think the weight is, you know, the weight and how 
you know, the weight starts becoming a circular problem, right? Mm-hmm. So, so <clears throat> make the rig taller, engineering gets, you know, more be more, more robust. And, and all of a sudden the foil has to get bigger. The foil gets bigger, more structure, more structure, rig more, gets taller, rig gets taller. It, it just, it, it can't stop. So, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons that Rambler turned out to be 88 feet. Cause at the time Juan was thinking, um, I remember having long talks with him about it, that he thought that was kind of the, the go fast size. He was really leery to go much bigger. And George, I think George was willing to go bigger because he had just sailed the speed speedboat, which was Rambler 100, the, the boat they flipped over in the fast net. But um, I, I think they were pretty convinced that they could do 88 and, and that was the right size. And then Guillaume um, and Vincent came along and they said, he said, which would you rather have? It was, it was literally, <laughs> what would you rather do a hundred footer or an 88 footer? It's like, well, hundred footer sounds better to me, but I'm kind of an idiot. They're like, well, let's do a hundred footer and it'll be faster. It's like, okay, <laughs> let's go. Okay. But, but now with the foiling is in the game, it, it has started the whole conversation all over again. Right. And, yeah. and again, it's weight and structure. So if they can figure out how to get a 90 footer out of the water, a hundred footer out of the water, you know, at least skimming, wow. then somebody's going to do it. Wow. Um, but it's mm. not an easy, it. it's not easy. Could you imagine it? Yeah, I'm imagining it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Have guys, you, um, it's the vi- the violence. You know, Char- oh, Charlie yeah. Charlie keeps talking about just the sheer violence in these boats. It, it is, you know, they're putting um, they're putting uh, like motorcycle spring shocks in the bunks. Um, they, they they you just can't keep your teeth, you know, from yeah. shattering in these things. It wow. sounds we're in math. I, I don't know. Maybe have I'm you done old. Have you done much work with Charlie? Whilst he, when he was over there or I know, no, he, we kept, t- he kept breaking foils and, and his program was changing by the day. So I, I never went, I, I didn't go out sailing with him once. We were talking about it a dozen times and yeah. uh, same with several of the other teams. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get plenty of chance. I think as this next round of boats starts popping out, but uh, boy, I don't know. Have you been sailing on these? Have any of you guys been no. sailing on these new versions? Well, not man, not like proper madness, but um, yeah, yeah. the the stories you do hear, and that the major slamming area of the boats is essentially the aft leeward panel, mm. <laughs> which is completely different to the way we well were brought up, um, and especially in the seventies world. So, yeah, different different world altogether. Yeah, well, it's good fun. It's, you know, as long as the safety factor stays in there in some semblance, because it's, uh, you were just uncharted territory, right? Whenever the sport breaks into uncharted territory, it's always, God, mm. caution doesn't seem to be at the top of the list sometimes, but man, hopefully somebody's in the room that makes sure it stays there because th- this is different. This is just a different world. Mm. That's a very good point. So talking of skimming, we're kind of skimming across so everything that you've done here. That's and, it. I was uh, going to say, boss, is that the prob- of everything. The problem but, with um, Ken is um, he's, he can talk about anything. There's so much he knows. So we, we have to race through so many topics. Oh, I've got so many topics down here, like industry and things. But the commentary side, um, what you, we were talking about before, how, how have you enjoyed that, especially during the last cup? Well, we got us out of here. First of all, it got us to a place where there was no COVID. And just from a, uh, I got married down there. Um, uh, my wife had a ball down there. She didn't want to leave. Um, 
we got super lucky just from a personal standpoint and how much fun we had in New Zealand. We got to travel in North Island. We got to just be regular human beings while the rest of the world was trying to get their act together, you know, in, in what was such a unbelievably crazy time. So, so first and foremost, it was just fun. Um, but it, these are teams, right? We keep talking about team and it's team in business. It's team in a sailing team. It's team, um, it's team in making, I think the best TV show that was ever made about, about sailboat racing. And, you know, the fact is you can love the boats, you can hate the boats, you can love the modern America's cup. You could wish for 12 meters. You could want the J boats to come back. It doesn't matter. We have never seen sailing like this before. Mm. We've never been in the cockpit in, 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 in high definition. We've never heard all these guys talking about their mistakes and their, and their good moves. We've never, we've just never had that opportunity before. The, these, the, the cameras, the, the helicopters, how good the people have gotten at positioning themselves. We would have strategy sessions in the mornings and the evenings. Well, if the helicopter is here during this move, you know, and, you know, and I, I have a pushback button, I, you know, or, or, or Nathan would have a pushback button. Hey, be careful. This is coming up next. Look, you know, look left, look left. And, and so we were just part of the sailboat race. You know, it really felt like that. And, and mm. surely Nathan just became great friends, Stephen MacGyver, Every, you know, I think that the non-sailor always drives sailors nuts, right? They're a lightning rod to the non-sailors, but man, are they important because they run the show. You don't have, you have no idea how many people, how many voices are, are in your ears telling you to do this and this and cut to this. And he's got this script and he's, none of us could do that job. So thank God for Stephen MacGyver. That's all I can say. Um, but Nathan and, and Cheryl and I had a ball, the whole team, the whole television team. Um, it, it was, it's a, it's just another boat race, you know, it's, it's another boat race team experience and that's what makes it fun. And uh, it, it's fun learning to do it better. It's fun to help create the show a little bit, you know, you, you kind of take it personal. And then of course I'm doing my North job all the time too. Mm. So I'm, I'm able to deal with, all of our clients down there, including three of our best clients who happen to be in the America's cup, um, all the super yachts, the guys at North New Zealand, the guys in North Australia, all of a sudden they're getting a little more attention that they, that they don't get, um, a, a lot of times. So, um, you know what, what a, what a phenomenal turnout. Mm. What was, um, was. obviously you got a really good relationship with majority of those yachties that were there because you're a commentator. Did they, were they open to give you more information or less? So I, I pl I'm probably giving away my secrets, but I play this one. I played this the same way from the first day I started doing this in San Francisco. And that is you need to give me good information because I don't want to be wrong and I don't want to make you guys look like idiots. <laughs> and, and so so just tell me, tell me what's going on. So I don't have to make it up because I will make it up. Trust me. <laughs> I, I, I will do it. So don't force me into making it up. And each team, I usually develop three, four, five. I mean, it's usually the skippers are on the list. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll have multiple it's wrong friends, not sources, but friends that I can call up and say, what do you guys know about this or what I'm seeing that, you know, I'm seeing this or, you know, Nathan and Sherlin, I'll be sitting around and it's like, well, let me call so-and-so. And, um, you know what? The teams 
are figuring out that it's to their best interest to, you know, let, let's not look foolish. We can look foolish on our own. We can all look foolish on our own, but let's, let's help these people help us. And, and the more educated we are, the better we can um, explain what, frankly, sometimes is a pretty complicated situation of which none of us have any idea what's going to happen next, including the sailors. So it's really, it's kind of cool. We all work together a little bit. You know, everybody gets very defensive on, you mm. can't show this, you can't show this. And I'm trying to say, you guys, it's going to be on TV tomorrow. You, you, we can talk about it. We can show it, but um, that'll never change. That def that defensive part of it will never change. But the fact was that the sailors themselves and even the team players, uh, the team leaders were really are for the most part, really good at sharing because they want the product to be good. Just like we do. Which is a huge point. You mentioned um, that, you know, even the sailors probably don't understand or majority of the world sailors probably don't understand the boats, which we didn't, we wouldn't have had a clue unless you were able to give us that information. But I think the big step up was the amount of uh, non-sailors that were watching. I have uh, feedback from people, my family, for instance, were watching it and uh, they wouldn't sit down and watch a sailing race. Um, it's the hardest. So it's the hardest thing that I do yeah. is uh, I find I have to be kind of that mediator between, um, between, trying to bring in new by the way if we only cater the tv to sailors mm -hmm. and only speak and sailors speak we're yep. screwed and there will never be any growth whatsoever we ha we have to just lose that mentality the mentality has to be how do we become as inclusive as possible and bring in as many many new people as possible like your family yeah. and and it's a fine line though you can't piss off the 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 hardos but at the same time lose you know in some sort of speak in some sort of sailor speak lose all your your family yeah. you can't and so I, I i have to admit i take that really seriously and it's it's a bloody tight walk sometimes and i i can read too i read some of the shit it's like you know Kenny Reed's making us all sound like idiots. It's like, no, I'm trying to talk to your family. You know, I'm, I'm just trying to explain a little bit about how hard this, this thing is in real terms, not in sailing speak. I must say you are extraordinarily good at that, Ken, in getting across and to try and bring it to the, to the bigger audience. Uh, Jordan Spencer similarly is very good. But one question, how about kilometres an hour? <laughs> as is the sole GP. <laughs> is that dumbing it down a bit too much? <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it's good to talk to you guys. <laughs> All right. Good answer. We'll give you an out. Um, one, to take that point further, though, the, it manifests in the way the race is set. So mm. with the America's Cup, obviously with the stadium racing, the, the short course and the tight boundaries, some of the tactical decisions are removed from the teams. I wonder if we could make a wider course or a bigger course. Would the racing be better, do you reckon? Uh, it, it's, it, it is probably one of the most debated uh, subjects, the, the course narrowness, course width. If you're willing to have far fewer um, tacks and jive, really – so, so this thing happens in sequences, right? Here I am. I'm actually doing what you guys you back you, you've, 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 you've brought me in. So, so the the I I like the narrow race course. So I'm going to start from I'm going to start from the end because um, 
what it does is it creates conflict on, on the water. Now, the conflict manifests itself in the early stages of these regattas because they suck. They don't know what they're doing yet. So, and that's, as a, as, that's all I want. I, we're looking for mistakes, crashes, um, breakages, something completely out of the ordinary so we can go, holy crap, look at that. Towards the end, all of a sudden it changes because they become perfect. And when they yeah. become perfect, it's far less exciting for us to talk about. All of a sudden we have to talk about the nuance of sailing. And that's, I think, when the narrowness or the width of, would, the, would it be better? What would be better is you have to keep changing the bar as the regatta goes and keep making the boats harder to sail because as all America's Cups Remember the Z leg back in San Diego? That was mm. going to be the be all end all. It's going to be this crazy leg that things are going to blow up and boats are going to be destroyed. Well, it became perfect. They became perfect and they developed perfect sales for it. Perfect jibes, perfect Mexican drops, perfect roundings. And all of a sudden it was just another boring leg. So anyway, I somehow we got to keep making these boats harder to sail because or, or limit the ability of the sailors to sail them as well, because that's what, to me, what slows down the game to the point of, it's just not quite as exciting. They, I thought the finals were far less exciting than the Christmas regatta. The Christmas regatta was full of intrigue. Every race was insane. And uh, anyway, it, it, it's that, that to me, that's the topic. There were some murmurings about um, or, uh, in, amongst the crowds here that uh, perhaps the start sequences need to be longer to give them more time battling each other there. Mm, like that. Um, was, that a, was that ever brought up? Yeah, that, it, all these things are always brought up. That was a hangover from Coots, to be honest. And I think from that, Coots hated the starting sequence. He just wanted the race to get underway, starting back in San Francisco and Bermuda. And in fact, he didn't want the TV to cut in until like 40 seconds or 45 seconds to go before the start. So at least we got a little broader start time. I think a narrow, so the th I kept sending, uh, I kept sending notes to the big fella, like make the starting box narrower, make it smaller because that's going to actually start mm. getting these guys circling around. Right. But he was kind of mandated if there was room available, this is how big the starting box had to be. I think if the starting box was half the size, all of a sudden you'd see some serious uh, maneuvering and way, way more action. Yeah. So I, I was leaning towards that end of it rather than the actual timing end of it. These boats you certainly could bring, with being the monoholes, you could certainly bring a lot more of that sort of match racing pre-start stuff into it. And it would be very good from a commentary perspective and from a viewing perspective. Negative, negative VMG, or oh well, called pos positive VMG in 12, 13 knots. They, essentially, they were tacking through zero loss. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, match racing is back in the game. That's it. And one thing that I think maybe only one or two of the teams figured out is also how tactical the boats actually were because yeah. they were sailing right up on the beach all the time. And, and they didn't think that through. Certainly the Americans didn't think it through. Um, uh, no question Ainsley's group did think it through where they just changed their whole power plant up and had a, had, a, a specific tactician that was just looking around. It was really shifty. I mean, it, it's yep. right off of any headland we've ever sailed against. No different. Mm -hmm. It was bloody shifty. And um, so there, is, there are tactics to be had still out there. There's no question. That's very cool. So, I mean, your, your role is a very technical role and being in the sales world. So before we get onto sail technology, what about the, the America's Cup stuff? Well, like the next edition 
we won't ask you the question of where you think it's going to be. We sort of we know all those rumours are flying around. But what do you reckon will be the big changes in those boats if we um, continue on? Yeah, um, I, th- I think they'll still work on the power plant. I think they'll work on the keel um, or the the foil canting systems. That you know, they all got them okay, but they're uh, actually Casey took me through what they had to do daily to just to keep their mm-hmm. keel canting system or their, their foil canting system working. It was insane. It was literally insane. So um, I, I think maybe simplification, simplifying of systems is probably high on the list. Um, you know, they're still trying to learn about this twin skin mainsail, you know, whether that stays or goes, Lord only knows. I, I know the Kiwis love it. Um, I think the people who kind of mastered it or, or really took it on as big a priority as below the water, they took on the priority above the water. I think they loved it. Whereas the other, the teams that didn't um, kind of scratched their head wondering why, why are we bothering with this? Um, <clears throat> the boats, I don't think they'll change much. Um, the, at least that's all the rumors, but like you guys, I, I, I've done my best to only know what I read and I only read part of it because I know it's going to change tomorrow. So quite <laughs> frankly, I'm not really getting too caught up in it because it, it just seems like it's a, it's a throwing darts and, and the dartboards moving all over the wall. So, so Lord only knows where this is going to go. But you must have with those twin skin mains and, you know, they were North sales sales out there. I remember in the commentary we were talking about the, the systems inside the, between the skins you, and you didn't give anything away but you must have seen and must know exactly what each system looked like because, well, at least some of them because, you know, you're making sales for those boats. So are, are we able to talk about the differences? So what, what's the painting on your wall? Yeah. You? Can we talk about that for a little bit? <laughs> All right, well, Clearly, the um, the most successful ones are the ones that had kept their shape down low and didn't have the boom interrupting. I think all would agree with that. The stuff that we could all see or, or was very clear. Um, it, it's what was or wasn't between the skins. Um, th- that we're going to have to let the teams talk about. You know, the funny thing is everybody's trying to keep their secrets, but what they forget is that now the interpollination of each team starts yeah. happening and that's going, yeah. that's going wide and broad anyway, if it hasn't already. So I'm probably the last person to, to, uh, to, to want to talk about it. They are my clients. Uh, and okay. we do have really, um, it, it is a hard part of my speaking. And it's one of the reasons why when I do have a question, I'll go straight to the team and say, am I allowed to talk about X? Um, and it could even be something that I've seen that they didn't give me the information. But the last thing I want to do is be, is look like I'm giving away a trade secret that maybe I had some sort of insider influence. The the fact is, I couldn't. I still to this day I couldn't see. We have so many firewalls in our company. I couldn't see the designs. I couldn't see the tape layouts. I could see no part of these sales, oh, okay. even if I wanted to. Okay. And I technically, there's one person out in uh, in uh, Nevada who sees it all and that's and it's a person who wouldn't know how to sail if their life depended on it and they're the tape layout person you know out in nevada so that's it it's pretty interesting yeah that's cool i can tell you right now blair and pete are three doors down from my house right now so i'll go and i'll go and ask them about this but they won't ask them see if they tell you (laughs) so i would see them for coffee every once in a while one of the fun parts is that that we had that 
strip right along the waterfront in, in Auckland on the viaduct there. And there was a couple of coffee shops that everybody went to and you, and you just never knew who you're going to meet. I could have done a TV show from in there, yeah, yeah, just who you're going to meet that morning. And, and those two guys, they're, they're, they're such personal, you know, forget the fact that they're such good sailors, this new generation, this new generation are good guys and good girls. I mean, they're, they're just good people. You know, yeah. it's, it's very cool to see there, there's, they're not stuck on it. They're, 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 you know, sit down and shoot the breeze like another human being. I, I was very impressed. I was very impressed by all the team's new young generations. It, it really, it was kind of refreshing to see. And I, I was, I was really pleased to uh, about that. And those two guys led the way, fr- frankly, they, they really did just good guys. That's nice. That's nice. I think we, sorry, boss. Well, no, no, just, um, I think you were going to say, Jordan, we're kind of wrapping up on time a little bit here. But um, I don't want to just stop. Quickly, Ken, and this could be a, just a conversation in itself, that the, the state of the industry, where it's at now, what you're seeing as we're all coming out the back of COVID, is this, uh, we're in a good place? We're in a good place. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, there's no question as, as Sydney is finding out right now and, and New Zealand's going to have to find out at some stage um, here in America. Well, let's just talk about the industry for a second and, and stick to the question for the first time in my life. Um, the, last year was ruthless. It, it was uh, the, from a day, day and night, 24 hour a day standpoint, I, I've never been a part of or been, done anything like it ever um especially right at the beginning of covid where major decisions had to be made with total blinders on we didn't know anybody says they knew what they were doing during that time are absolutely lying we were Mm. winging it and um but every smart I, i called tons of really good business people that i knew and Every person said, you got, you, you got to get more fit. You got to use this as an opportunity to get more efficient. And unfortunately, get more efficient means some of our friends didn't have jobs anymore. And, and I think the industry shrunk by 20, 25% overnight. Um, and certainly we did. Um, and now th- with this buildup happening so fast and furious, again, I don't think anybody, ex- we certainly didn't expect the front side and we don't ex- we didn't expect this backside and i don't think we've seen anything yet because europe essentially hasn't even started so when europe starts and the sailboat racing world in europe starts i think we're going to see another huge wave so we are right back to 2019 numbers which is just shy of a miracle um, but and that's with probably a leaner company right now and and it probably needed to be leaner frankly you, you you find all the reasons in the world to kind of keep status quo sometimes. And sometimes you need a little kick in the pants. The world never needed this sort of kick in the pants. Um, but uh, none, nonetheless, we're a better company because of it. We're, we're probably making better products because of it. Um, uh, we have smarter, younger people because of it. And I think that's a good thing. We uh, Hitting the refresh button every once in a while, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, sure. So what about the technology developments? Like, you know, your your group, North Sales Group, is is renowned for the technology developments. Um, I'm expecting that you're probably doing a bit on the environmental front, not just on sale development. Is there anything that you can sort of you can you you can have a bit of a brag about? 
Yeah. So, the, well, the environmental side is a tough one. Um, we are doing a ton on that. We're, we're trying as North Technology Group to become classified as one of these environmental, uh, well, to, to get into these environmental systems, you have to check off a ton of boxes uh, worldwide. So we're trying to do it as mass sales, clothing, kites, um, uh, rigging, you know, we're trying to do it as North Technology Group, as one group. And that's going to happen. We're probably about a year away, but there's there's people in place and there's steps in place to make that happen. Now, mm -hmm. what does that mean? Well, it's not just your day-to-day, -day, how you run your facilities, but it's uh, the materials you use. It's how you dispose of your materials. It's how, you, and then, you know, the big kicker is how did you dispose of old sales? And we are funding a couple uh, master's degree programs in Northern Europe at, at a couple really high profile universities to try to figure out how to take, take sailcloth. The problem with sailcloth is it's so damaged by salt and sun that what is it besides trash at the end of the day? Um, so what do you do with that? That, that is, that's always going to be the big kicker. What do you do? Um, we're, we're talking about giving credit for at least people giving their old sales back to us that we can dispose of in some, in some other form or fashion. Of course, there's the bag companies and stuff like that, but that's a stopgap. We need to find a yeah. big picture mm. um, way of figuring out how to dispose stuff and not just fill up landfills. And then it's um, how we're dealing with uh, plastic and, and how we're recycling the plastic into, into you know, there's kind of nylon type materials. There's Dacron type materials that are coming coming out made of extruded um, ocean plastic. Uh, all of our sail bags and all of our sail ties are very close to being 100% recycled plastic. Um, so it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you make 30,000 sail bags a year, you know, it, you're starting to make a little yeah, dent. Sure. Absolutely. So, so, so that's, that's something. Um, so anyway, uh, it's being pushed by Peter Dubins, the owner of, of North Technology Group. He, they have the Ocean Family Fund. They do a lot of funding of operations. They were a big funder behind Dee Caffrey's um, uh, uh, last Volvo program. So, so yeah, it's, it's hard. But as an industry, we got to join this. Part of the deal was when we're funding this thing in uh, Northern Europe about how to recycle old sales, uh, we made them sign and we signed this is going to be available for everybody. This wouldn't be available for North. This is something that we would then give to the world if we can figure something out. So Ooh. yeah, we got to give, we got to give back as an industry, not just as uh, as an individual sale maker. And on the technology front, the stuff that came out of the cup is now starting to trickle into say, it, you're going to, you're going to read and see more and more about this. Um, the 3DI, the, the adapt adaptability of, of 3DI we didn't realize it, but we thought we were nearing the end of its how good can it get? It's just, it just had a reboot, had a complete mm -hmm. start over. Um, materials management, materials layouts, um, taping structures, the, the, the robotics that goes into making these sales and, and the accuracy behind all that, um, you know, with structured luff and, and how the helix structure works, but how, you know, that, that's actually evolving by the day. It's really, you know what, it's kind of a fun time. It, it's fun time. It's a, it's definitely a refresh time, not just in, in how the business is run, but in what we can do. Crazy. What times. Crazy. Go on, boss. You're going to say something? No, I was just thinking, um, we're talking about Ken talking about helix and, um, 
we put on one of the new uh what do you call them the the jib tops on the tp52 or the the um rose <laughs> the bros the bro <laughs> and we hoisted it for the first time and i turned to the owner and said do you like the look of your new sale mate does it look like we're in j class again <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now we're, do, but, we're doing some quads too. Oh, it's, are, are popping yeah. out there. So it's, uh, yeah, it's what goes but around. But on and my God, off you go. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, hey. it's, a, it's a good space for sure. And yeah. just seeing the development and uh, like you say, you've got a bunch of young kids around you who are, that's their job, right? Keep developing and making this shit good and cool and strong. And Read the rules because the rules tell you what down. you can do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. No, it's good fun. So the uh, obviously, I mean, we've gone way past what we normally do, and we've got we, we're only just scratching the surface with you, Kenny. So I have to to make two people on this call really happy. And you know, you talk about the youth and the energy and everything. I just have to say, double-handed offshore racing. Any any response? That's, uh, that's my next. I'm going practicing tomorrow afternoon with with Susie. Uh listen, I we still have the Silas Genoa 3300 up here and it's great to see Sydney Hobart, you know, they're going to they're going to do it and what there's 80 80 boats signed up for Fastnet, Fastnet and yeah. I, I was just I, I was trying to get my rating certificate. By the way, for all regatta organizers out there, it's still way too hard to sign up for a regatta, make it easier and more people <laughs> will come. Oh my freaking god. North yeah. Sales came to a screeching halt today with me trying to sign up for two regattas and it, I'm still not done. Yep, it's, God, it has definitely gone that way. Come on, it can't be this hard, can it? So that's my especially great a short hand, especially a short hand and injury. Well, it, it sure is nice having one other person. You know, I, I just did block on race week actually on a good on a nice McConaughey built brand new McConaughey 44 footer last week, and and that was fun. 11, 12 people and all the crap that goes with it. And then you just show up with some peanut butter and jelly and you go sail for 24, 48 hours. There's something to be said for that fellas. Like yeah. You and you, you have said that it's some of the best sailing that you've done, right? The double hand oh, and stuff. It takes a lot to get me back up on the bow, Bicey, but uh, there, there, <laughs> there it is. There it happens. When, when there's no choice, you when there's no choice, you can't, can't complain. <laughs> no, it's yeah. good fun. I sailed with my brother quite a bit and he and I hadn't sailed together in a long time. So it, it almost takes the pressure off this snow Olympic thing. I think that, I think I this part is going to continue to expand, but now you can sail with anybody at any time and, mm -hmm. you know, all girl, all guy. Um, um, but the mixed, you know what? The, 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 I was looking around at boats at Black Island Race Week. There's more female sailing right now than I remember in a long, long time. So it's that's awesome. a good thing. And maybe the double-handed thing has helped. Certainly the, you know, I, 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 the rules like like two or three girls on the boat, for, women on the boat for the New York Yacht Club IC37, stuff like mm. that. There's just a lot of women sailing, uh, uh, it seems like, right now. And hopefully that number continues to grow up. Everything they're doing with the Magenta group and everything else, it, yeah. it's really uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish on that. And, and I think the double-handed has helped. Yep. Here, here. Very cool. Like, um, I, I think it's the, the way of the future to bring more people back into the, the, the world of sailing. I, I honestly believe it's the way. That's why we're, we harp on it. It's nothing to do with BPs definite involvement in it we you know we don't care about bp at all <laughs> but we I, you know we have a the whole reason barcarati exists is to try and bring people back to sailing that's why we do it so we can we can make sailing happening again and um i think the double hander is definitely a pathway for the offshore world 
well, we got to make a path. And, and like the, like the Volvo program that Bicey did, um, that was a phenomenal path. And, and then the rules that, that really came out of that, like the excitement of their program to that particular Volvo race. And, and that led absolutely to the rules of a minimum of young people on board. And then the minimum of young people, including females on board, yep. um, wow, what a concept it's being inclusive, you know, where at least we're trying. So we've got a long way to go, but at least, at least we're trying. And the double handed is you know, Susie, man, what a hoot. She, she's, she's nuts. First of all, and I say that with all, <laughs> in all due respect, uh, but she, she's, she's just a good solid. So anybody who was a bow, who was the bow person on those uh, 1995 generation IACC boats is nuts <laughs> because there was shit blowing off the deck all around you. It was like you were, you know, walking through a minefield on those boats and she's up the rig and rigs are falling down and everything else. So she's nuts. So she's perfect for the job. Perfect. I love it. Love it. Hey, uh, mate, unfortunately, I think we should, we're probably going to have to call it there. We, um, we genuinely didn't even touch on about a tenth of what we wanted to talk to you about. But um, it was so much fun, so much fun. Uh, you guys are good guys for doing this. Um, the sport needs more stuff like this, what you do and Shirley and all these different groups. Mm. I think people, yeah, they have a hankering for it. They, 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 want, they want to hear more. They want to hear what's going on in the world. So thank you guys for doing it because it's really, it's great. It's good stuff. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, Ken. Thanks for joining, mate. Send uh, our best to the, well, what you could arguably say that uh, everyone in Newport, the, well, the capital of sailing, you'd say, send our best to all and um, look forward to seeing you around the traps. And I will not mention this dry July thing to anybody. No, no, no. <laughs> Keep Good it one. down, especially. <laughs> Good on you, mate. I'll hopefully see you over in the States next year. <laughs> all right, boys. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. Cheers. How fitting, gents. It's July the 4th. Mm. And we've had the great Ken Reid mm, wrap nice. on the Stars and Stripes, man. Yes. yes. Star Spangled Banner is just playing in the background yes. as we speak. Yeah, it is. The fireworks will be just be going ballistic. Oh, going bananas. And there'll be many a barbecue happening uh, many a barbecue. pretty much uh, this week for um, the mighty US of A. Happy uh, Absolutely. July Happy fourth. the 4th to, I Happy guess that's fourth. Independence Day for them, isn't it? It's their Independence yeah. Day. Happy Independence Day to our US Have you ever friends. been lucky enough to be in the US on the 4th? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I've never been yeah. to the US. Would you believe that? Oh, seriously? Really? Wow. Hey, can I say something? Can I say something and Tell be open and want, frank man. with you blokes? Because that's <laughs> – can I, can I please be open and frank yeah. with you blokes? Yeah, go. We make a living out of sailing one way or the other, albeit uh, the top level, bottom level, middle level, wherever we are. We, we love our sport. We love the, you know, being a part of what we do. Can I say that, um, can I say that Ken Reid is actually a bit of a hero of mine? Oh. Can I say that? It's nice. Yeah. I'm allowed to say that, aren't yeah. I? Yeah, you're yeah. allowed to say that. That's good. Absolutely. Oh, no, he's um, done so much. How good, how good chatting to Kenny. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I've, never met him. I've never met him before. Do you realise that? Oh. oh, there you go. So I would just like to say that. And I'd like to say that because uh, I look at, you know, people in our industry of what they've done in their lives and you look at stories like Ken's and it's 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 inspirational. Yeah, cool. Yeah? Yeah, he's done um, BP, there's yeah. nothing attached to this at all? No. Trying to get an X2 over to him, <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I think he's pretty happy with me. I've already sold three full sets of sales. So uh, yeah, okay. no, there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but um, what a ledge. Been there, done it, seen it. All that, just that pathway. And um, and uh, as I kind of just spoke about there, now double handed, yeah. fully on his agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. Well, it's gonna be. You wait till we get over there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. Although you're my hero, Ken. <laughs> You are now my competitor. <laughs> uh, do, yeah, on but the race do. course. On the race course. <laughs> on the race course, yeah, yes. But we do. Track. We do. Our, we, yes, all good. All good. <laughs> all right. Um, listener, no, there's uh, secret pro news, boys. We, we got a little bit, but oh, we don't want to talk about it. There's always secret pro news. There's always. How it is at yeah. the moment. We, we seem to be sort of dragging this whole secret pro thing out and yeah, just saying, yep, yeah, we know, but we're not telling you. Yeah, I know. I think it kind of shit segment. <laughs> yeah, actually, we need a bit more for anyone out there. Um, we need a bit more than just etchel stuff because yeah, yeah, as yeah. much as Getting we boring. like the etchel discussion and uh, there's probably a limit to how much we you know what I'd like to want to want to take it on you yeah. know what I'd like to hear instead of all the secret pro how about a local hero like um, oh. I love you know like there's plenty of people out there doing amazing work and uh, I reckon you know we should actually interview the old local hero here and oh, there. Yeah. So. So, actually, if you've got any superstar local heroes, amazing, like legendary local heroes, um, just let us know. We'll uh, we'll reach out to them. I reckon. Hey, BP, can you play the local hero on the guitar? I'll I'll get it out and I'll give it a bit of a go. We've got we've got the uh, lead-in music for it already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dear, um, listener of the week, boys. Listener of the week, without a doubt, this week there was one. There was one. There was one. David Williamson. Yes. From Melbourne. Mm. VX Sailor. We mm, seem to be uh, be uh, merging with the VX guys quite a, a bit. Love for them. Um, well, merging. we <laughs> merge. Well, got the Nationals in Adelaide 2023, so mm. a year and a half away. So, mm. yeah, you never know. And I've just yeah. been having a few little chats down the yeah. Adelaide Sailing Club. Yeah, that so we'll see. If, if that does happen, <laughs> I, mean, I know the Nationals are going to go ahead, but if it does get to a point where, it, you know, where the Bar Karate VX1 is going to happen, yeah. we we really need to sail together. I think there's only one way to do it. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah, but yeah, we've no, been, we'll basically, we've become the unofficial beer of VX, mm. VXs. Oh, well, beautiful. probably the official beer. We'll be there with BK1, the Delta variant. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, uh, go, going, on, going on with this story, you could tell him the name of, name of the boat. Quick one to David. Happy 60th, mate. He um, got a couple of slabs uh down with his boys on the VX. They've had a few. It's his birthday this week. He sent some good photos through, some good snaps. Uh, we'll actually post them up. So um, there may or may not be a merchandise pack on your way, Dave. Yeah. Uh, I just do want to mention, uh, Dave, absolutely, 100%. Uh, old mate John Schaefer, we've mentioned him a few times on mm. the show. Old Johnny boy, he, I've just been looking through, like he messages us and sends us notes all the time and – you know, he's doing stuff, he's promoting women's sailing, he's doing running training courses, he's got, you know, the Barcarati asymmetric kite, he's doing training courses with that, he's, he's helping people out with this. He's, he's a, a pretty enthusiastic dude, so I just wanted to give him a runner-up notice for the week. Well, runner-up. I'll, I'll just uh, mention I've got, like, the poll running here mm. and um, John's been nominated for Barcarati Listener of the Year. <laughs> So, um, we'll be holding a uh, we'll be holding a, a um, prize giving night at some point in time. <laughs> a 
at the Ritz in <laughs> Melbourne. I love it. Anyway. Uh, it's a black tie affair. Yeah, black tie affair. Yes, All yes. come draped in your red carpet. Oh, red carpet. karate t-shirt. That'd be cool. Red carpet with the sponsorship drape and everything and you stand in front of it with your missus. But keep keep up the work, Chafe. We, we're seeing everything you're sending through, mate, even if we don't reply all the time. We're, we're seeing it all, so good work. Yeah, yeah. Thank hey, you. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, getting some media time during the week, Mr Nick Boss, um, mm. the the press conference that you alluded to last week. <laughs> well, I was meant to get some media time. <laughs> well, Put it that way. You verbally, you verbally got some. I well, got some verbal off, time. First off, yeah. in, most importantly, congratulations as mm. the race director of the uh, was it the uh, the Ocean Globe Race, Ocean Globe Race, or the can yes. we can we Golden go Globe Race, Ocean Globe let's, Race? Let's talk Ocean about Globe that a bit. Race, Let's talk about that a bit. Um, so, in a in a nutshell, essentially, um, a race. Done in the retro style. Remember when we did interview Don, yeah. episode forty-four, I believe, mm. um, talking about it. Um, and in two thousand twenty-three is the fifty-year anniversary of the original Whitbread. So this is done in celebration of the original Whitbread. And there's a whole bunch of different classes that can qualify. But essentially, if you're you have a boat that could have qualified back in those days, it can actually do the race. Um, but the truth is. Um, out of the 34 entrants, uh, 26 or 27 are fully signed up, ready to wow. go. Yeah. Yes. And the remainder are actually uh, of the classic challenge class, which is uh, essentially any boat that had done a previous Whitbread or Volvo, for yeah. that matter, okay. in Volvo 60. So, um, yeah, no, exciting. Um, kicking off in a bit over two years' time, so got a bit of time up our sleeve, but... Um, the discussions I've had with some of the competitors, discussions I've had with Don and, and his team, mate, this is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to so, be cool. So this, so this is a a role that you've taken on. It's a it's relatively full time from here on. I mean, must be. Yeah, it'll be no, not full time for the probably in the next six months or so. It'll be the odd bit here and there, but yeah. just building the relationships with the um oh. with the competitors. The stopovers. Is, is, the that, is that a job you need a hand with or are you going to be supplies. okay with that or, um, you know? No, I'll be leaning on my um, two idiot mates to give me a bit of a hand every <laughs> well, now and then. Maybe we should have a little technical session. I've, got, I've got an idea, boss. So, so here, we go. The first, here we go. The first Bossy, race Bossy. went in 1971. 1971, obviously. 73. 73, sorry, 73, yep. My birth year. Um, I, I can only suggest when you are at the start uh, in your official suit for... Um, for the race start, you know, for the good doing all the work, mm-hmm. and you're suited up for all the media stuff, you have to wear a 73 suit. Oh, <laughs> without a doubt. Full flared oh, You've beige. nailed it. You have nailed it. <laughs> it's like Austin Powers, you reckon, a purple oh. velvet sort of thing oh. with a white frilly. Love it. Oh, hey, I mean, a bit of old do I make you horny, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 Uh, I watched your your press conference, and what highlight that highlighted to me is there's a reason why there's no technology allowed in the race. <laughs> Working to our strengths already. Yeah. I laughed. Oh dear. Anyway, congratulations, uh, yeah, mate. It'll be good. One. We'll, we'll follow with interest. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. Um, boys, there's a lot of sailing going on uh, now. Yeah. 
suddenly, literally right this week. Obviously, we had uh, the falling falling week this week, which was fantastic. Mm. Lots of photos and images coming out of that and lots of our friends there at that. But then also some other major stuff going on. Uh, let's just touch on a few. We'll just do a little bit. First one is the Pro Sailing Tour, which is the Ocean 50 yes. Trimarans. Yes. Um, snuck up on us a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Really? They're in um, – All of a sudden. In Grand Canaria, aren't they? They were, yes. Yeah. Um, Snuck up on us. Um, that, that seems to be a uh, a real push there, and um, I, we know quite a lot of people involved in that. And I've reached out to uh, a couple of people. Obviously, Sam Goodchild's involved. He's um, smashing well. it, but, mate. Yeah, he's he nailed it. But uh, we may or may not, as we do on Bar Karate, have a special guest from the from that uh, particular uh, program coming up very soon on the show. So that could be cool. Um, but, yeah, it's a real cool little thing. It seems to be really gaining momentum. Do we like these boats? I think so. Mm. Mm. I like a 50-foot trimaran. It's, I, 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 I wouldn't say no. 50-foot bloody weapon? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Like them. Probably um, now, well, putting them in the spotlight a bit, so now we need to uh, probably follow up on it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, we're, we're, that, like you said, it snuck up on us a bit. It has, um, no, but I, believe me, I'm on top of it. Yeah. No, we're all over it. I like so it. This, Watch this space. Listen. Yeah, the, episode, uh, the event three was Grand Canary, which is literally just finished uh, as of today. So, And it looks like Sam Goodchild's got that one again. But um, go and have a bit of a look. The pro sailing tour, the Ocean 50 trimarans. There's a little bit of video footage, not a huge amount. But, uh, yeah, good and interesting. Uh, certainly we're into it. Um the RC44s are on in Sweden. They're back doing a bit of racing. Um, uh, and in Mustland, you boys ever sailed out of Mustland? Been to Mustland? I, have, I haven't. Um, the Cup were there uh, about three or four months before I joined the team. Mm. They said they actually they loved it there. Mm. No, I didn't. I missed the mm. opportunity. We had yeah. a um, finish of the Volvo going into there. Mm-hmm. And then we had a uh, inshore race and the – oh, no, maybe it was just the leg start. Mm. And that was where Telly Blue – Tele, uh, My old boat. Oh, my old oh, was it Telly – oh, whatever, um, put her up on the bricks. Yeah. Oh, of course it was. Yes, yes it was. out of there. <laughs> yep. That was a big so, hit too. That was a massive hit. Oh, yeah, Easy that was a to do around there. Did, did, you see them get, did you see them trying to get off the bloody thing? When they, yeah, when uh, they popped the, pop, uh, pop winch, the winch off. Out. <laughs> well, hey, another thing that's you know on – do you know why they ended up on the rocks? Because they hit it. Oh, <laughs> so um, what you'll find if you haven't been to Marstrand, it's a little island, no cars, and uh, it's a very much a ritzy place for the Swedes to go there. And often you'll find the Swedes sunbaking on the rocks, rocks around the edges of the island. <laughs> and, um, ah, okay. Yeah, you know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. They're a very attractive race, the Swedish race, and they don't often sunbathe with clothes on. And Well, it's very rarely sun, so when there's sun, they've got to get it all done, right? That's right, that's right. So my theory is that's... Uh, the they eyes were out the boat. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, guys, another thing that's on, I don't know if you've noticed, but the uh, Tour de Bretagne à la voile... With the uh, with the um, uh, figure eight threes, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that one that one sort of just got through us as well. So we'll come back with the results on that. That's still going the uh, first event, Saint Marlo to Saint Qua- Saint Key. So there's a good one. Wee uh, wee. Um, the GC thirty two. So some falling boats going underway. So uh, in Lagos, uh, now. 
it's kind of like some of the um, the Sale GP guys are in there. So our mate Arno Sarah Fargus, who uh, who jumped on the New Zealand boat, um, is dominating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dominating and, and you know Sailing. the tie-in as Bicey mentioned the tie-in the other week um, with the Lingi. Yeah, he's with the Lingi. Potentially right? going to represent Australia in the Americas Cup in Sydney. Um, <laughs> in Sydney. <laughs> um, and also we have our Danish mates there as well. Correct. Yeah, yeah, they got into third. Uh, it looks like all racing's completed, so they got into third. Is that Nikolai? Yeah, Nikolai Sahestead. And yeah, I've never, I never met him. I can't remember speaking to him actually. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Uh, um, and cool. Roman Hagara uh, was second on the Red Bull racing boat, so that was uh, pretty cool. I, I found it really hard to find some footage, boys. I'm getting one-minute highlights. I don't know what you guys are seeing, but just I'm finding it really hard to get some footage on that one. So, but I tried, but plenty of friends there at that event. Um, but yeah, all right, the big one this week. Bicey, you're excited. Um, the big one, yeah. The round island race, the round oh, the Isle of Wight. Round the massive. island race. The, round island. the island race. Yes. Massive. The 90th anniversary, no less, of this particular race. A thousand odd boats. And 1169. Get this. get this. This is the stat I love. Mm-hmm. 98 classes. Yep, 98 <laughs> classes, more than 200 trophies to give at prize giving. It's a damn long, boring Jeez, prize, prize giving. that would be a wouldn't it? <laughs> Especially if you do third, third, second, and first. Oh, mate, you'd be deep into the pims for that. I tell you. Oh, hey, that, hey I've, has any of you guys done that race? Not me. Uh, I, I was. I'm a, I, <laughs> I was, was meant to. He said. I was meant to, but I may have got caught up a little bit in the excitement the evening beforehand <laughs> and missed the four a.m. rib. To go because it's a hell of an early start because they got to do it with all the, you know, the tides and the amount of starts and all those sorts of things. Mm. Um, and then I have done it, yeah, again in a more of a professional manner. <laughs> so, so, but um, no, nah, she's full on, man. Boats yeah, everywhere, awesome. So I've, I've given it, gave it a crack too um, on my little RG650 mini. Oh, did you? Three up you with with me, mate Mark Disney. Hello to you, my friend, and his good mate Big Head. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Big head. <laughs> yeah, big head, uh, who has a very big head. Yeah. yeah. Massive's gone. Anyway, it was uh, it was um, on the schnot. It was uh, it would have been 35 plus uh, incoming tide. Oh. Massive. Oh, it was wind against tide. Yeah. And it was just awful. So on starboard, we were making gains. On on uh, port, we'd, bear, uh, we'd tack on the port, trying to get out through the little needle bits there. You know what yeah. do you call it? The heads or whatever it is, the needles or whatever needles, it is. Needles, yeah. You know how small and no short that is. And uh, so we ended up bearing away just to get past everyone because we were on port and uh, we just kept going on a mini. You, the second you bear away, you're doing 13, 14 knots. Mm. <laughs> Off you there go. You go. <laughs> yeah, but how long did yeah, it take you? We didn't get around. Okay. Up. <laughs> Couldn't get out the needles. <laughs> <laughs> Too many boats to get around. Yeah, yeah. yeah so many boats. Um, I was looking at the numbers. So uh, it starts at Cows and goes basically anti-clockwise around the Isle of Wight. Correct. So yeah. needles is sort of your first quarter. Um, oh, yeah. Just looking on their website, they had 1,169 boats entered, 954 finished, 84 retired, 11 disqualified. There's a bunch of boats still out there somewhere. <laughs> I ain't no mathematician, but <laughs> I ran some numbers. Just ran um, some numbers. So the overall prize is the Gold Roman Challenge. It says Gold Roman Challenge Cup. I think it's the Shield or something, isn't it? 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it, but it's a great race. Yeah, but do you see who won it? No. Um, it's the same boat that won at 2019, Eeyore. Eeyore, yeah. Oh, Donkey. E-Y-O-R-E. You know what that is, don't you? Eeyore, have you seen that thing? No. Well, I think it's the smallest boat in the fleet. (laughs) Well, you had a look at the, um, well, Eeyore's a bilge killer. (laughs) A little bilge killer. 18-foot bilge killer. Yeah, have a look at the IRC results. There is nothing above one like for the first 70 boats or something yeah. on the rating. So that's crazy. She was a small boat one. And power okay. play, uh, the the Mod 70 was first around fastest, knocking off a couple of the all teams. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it must have been a bit attacking, eh? Mm. Interesting times, huh? So anyway, that, that – that, I mean, can you imagine being in the bar afterwards? Jeez, we wouldn't mind being the bar karate in the bar oh, after shit. that. 16. Bloody oath. <laughs> Talk about bar karate. There was a bit of bar karate footage uh, or photos, I should say, from the um, falling week last week as well. Did you see that? Yes. A um, bunch of photos. Point, pointed out from the great Andrew Pinder. Yes. He uh, sent a few photos through of uh, plenty of people performing bar karate, be it one, in the bar or in the boat park. But one, so, Paul, one Paul Goodison and some other bloke called um, Tom. Um, oh, God, what's his name? Slungsby. Tom, Slung, slangers, slangsby, slangers, slangers, slangers. Oh dear! All right, boys, I reckon that's us. Another good week done. Yep, great all week, right. gents. Okay, just go and get my guitar. Hang on. Oh, happy, happy fourth to all is. our uh, American friends. Yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? Um, and good to see all the sailing going on again. Yep. Stacks of sailing going on. The Olympics is twenty days away, gentlemen. It's oh, exciting. Days. Hopefully we have some uh, some people to have a chat soon mm. as well. So stand by for that one. Yep, no, that's good. And then okay. beyond that, we're, we're all good to go. Another, we have to go sailing. That's about the only thing we're not doing at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. One, well, day. Got, one day. One day. I've got my guitar ready. Band, you ready, guys? Call it in. Okay. Count us in, BP. Uh, one, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking behind. Right, I'm not behind. It's just so good. It's all the band. It's not me. I hope you find some time one day, baby. Nothing in front of